Hello. Welcome to another What Is Now experience. I'm Charles Freely, and I'm here with my good friend, Saket Brisby. If we had to be categorized, we're both investigators of consciousness, with training backgrounds and professional experience in the world of psychological and spiritual healing. Each of these sessions is an adventure of the present moment. Saqib and I begin each session by sitting in silence for one minute and then simply see what arises now. We have no plan, no prepared material or concepts to cover, but are placing our trust in the wisdom of this right now experience. This is an expression of our shared philosophy of healing. If we can only let go of our desire for the present moment to be a certain way other than it is, then we can find the unexpected answers of what is actually now. So, if you will join us, we will begin with one minute of silence, and you can use this minute in whatever way you like, with your eyes closed, sitting, eyes open, standing, or walking, or driving in your car. We only ask that you return to what is actually happening right now in this moment, to reset the momentum of the day, and open up to just this. After this minute, Sakab and I will explore whatever arises between us. We identify themes of our exploration as we go, and then Sakib finishes with a short guided meditation based on the themes that arise in the session. And now let's enter one minute of silence together as we explore what is now really. And you'll hear a bell to start and end this one minute of your day. How was this what is now experience for you today? Just had a little burp arise. I think I might have mentioned before my feelings about a burp being a pure expression of truth, maybe uh, mm -hmm. more purely than anything I could say. So it's kind of funny for that to arise in response to that question. Because mm. maybe that's my true answer. But I noticed I was per usual there was quite a bit of thought arising and a couple things i felt kind of raw today mm -hmm. and like a, i don't know how to describe it exactly but like almost like there's some sensitive 
wound yeah. that if you were to touch it, there'd be a like a sharp reaction to it, sort of feeling mm -hmm. that all over my body in a way, mm -hmm. not in any painful way, but just like a really kind of sensitive, raw feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and I was also, I noticed myself sort of leaning forward, like this almost like uh, having thoughts kind of like rushing against me and then I'm withstanding them and, and like leaning forward into something that is below the thoughts or beyond the thoughts that is it's like really just here. And mm. it's like, I wasn't passively receiving it as much as I was like kind of like try, I don't know if trying is right, but sort of diving into this, just mm. just like this mm. experience. It was like <clears throat> kind of like wind is sort of the, the visual that I have of thoughts uh, continually coming at me. And then I'm just sort of, there's a, a very stable, sturdy me that is like pushing through all of that thought like some sort mm. of aerodynamic machine. <laughs> mm. And how, uh, what was that wound experience? Like, how would you describe that? How would you deconstruct that? Mm. I think that feeling is always there. Mm. Uh, and there's something powerful about it and also very tender and sensitive. Um, it reminds me of the, the monastery that I go to and I think one of my first visits there, I was down doing laundry with one of the monks that had been there for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we were just talking for a little bit. And I, I asked him about this experience of pain that I was having in my like chest area during meditation and wondering if, uh, there was something wrong with my posture. Maybe I've shared this with you before. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was like, he, I forget what he said exactly, but he, he turned it to my emotional experience. He was like, is there anything that you're holding on to or haven't let go of? And he kind of described that meditative experience of really sitting for hours and hours in meditation as something that's a real heart opening you might have heard that term before mm -hmm. uh, but I do feel like through this practice a meditative practice whatever you want to call it over time I've become increasingly sensitive and there's more of an easy flow of kind of emotion to the surface mm -hmm. not in a way that feels overwhelming but in a kind of beautiful way uh, mm -hmm. where I feel more and more raw uh, mm -hmm. more of the time I don't know. What does that sound like to you? Or have you had uh, a similar experience or even just your experience of like sensitivity or emotion? Yeah, I think uh, it is becoming more aware of what is there in, in the body. And uh, I, as you were mentioning your experience in the monastery, I also uh, remembered my experience when I was in a, in a meditation retreat. And <clears throat> During that retreat, like a lot of things were coming up for me, you know, emotions, uh, pain in the physical body, because I think we, in, in that state, we become more aware of what's going on in our own body. Uh, and I don't remember if I have like mentioned this 
or not but we were watching uh, in this buddhist meditation center we were watching uh, a movie a dharma movie and in that movie uh, there was this monk who was meditating and he had a child uh, with him so that child was playing around then and that child while this monk was meditating that child put a flower on above the ear of this monk while he was meditating so and during that time you know uh, the monk during the meditation smiled and it was like a very uh, you know playful uh, relationship that the child and the monk had Hmm. and just as i was mo- watching this movie uh you know there were like 50 people sitting in the audience and i started crying i i started sobbing you know hmm. literally and i was very loudly sobbing crying and it was so weird and i couldn't understand that for for you know why why is this happening to me why am i crying it was like i was not able to control it it was just coming out of me hmm. and then i like i felt embarrassed and i went out of that you know movie hall and i just went for a walk by myself and then i realized that i think it it's triggered something in me that is uh, you know regarding my relationship with my father you know i think this relationship that i saw between the monk and the child it made me crave to have such a relationship with my father which maybe i couldn't experience mm-hmm. uh, in my childhood and that triggered a lot of emotions so and that was the time you know uh, when i meditated for like this this i have experienced a lot when when i go to meditation retreats and i'm like meditating for hours and hours every day then such emotions and then such even physical pain would come out uh, you know very very strongly and i think it's it's a state of becoming more self aware mm. hmm. thanks for sharing that yeah <laughs> yeah how 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 is it as you like remember it now or talk about it uh it's good because i was able to uh like look at that i was able to observe that initially i used to have an emotional charge and i realized that whenever i would see uh you know a, a son and a father uh you know having a good relationship that will bring an emotional charge in me however mm. now when i was able to look at that okay where is this coming from uh you know i i even had a word with my father regarding this and we kind of healed that part of our relationship to to a certain mm-hmm. extent so that emotional charge might not be still there uh but it was a great experience of self awareness hmm. yeah it sounds uh powerful and kind of beautiful to me i heard i think i heard you say the word like embarrassed about it in that moment mm. um, maybe that that was a sign of weakness or something or a lack of of vulnerability strength or yeah uh i mean it's it seems to me anyways more and more that 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 is the sign of like great power and mm. the the one who is like willing to open up to that that's like a real yeah um powerful thing yeah yeah no uh, i you know and this is something that uh, that i eventually managed to do like you know not being ashamed of crying being a man but that was the very initial stages for me of learning meditation and at that time for me because you know uh, being a man in the kind of culture that i have been brought up in 
I was not supposed to cry and crying was like an embarrassing thing. So mm-hmm. in that moment, I felt embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and in fact, even, uh, you know, a few days ago, I was, I was in your session and uh, I saw your uh, dad supporting you in the session. Uh, during the session and that was also you know kind of brought up an emotional charge for me so mm-hmm. uh, that was beautiful to see between you and your father mm-hmm. uh, kind of brought a hope in me uh, regarding my relationship with my father and there's a whole mixture of things there for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it makes me think of uh, I'd be interested to know if this comes up for you at all in your work and um, I'm not sure how much we've really talked about the work that we do with the listeners. Mm. Uh, but so we both do guided meditations and live sessions and courses mm. on this app called Insight Timer and mm. a variety of other things. Mm. Uh, and, and we both do our own versions of uh, individual work mm-hmm. and from our own different backgrounds and it mm. feels like our own different styles of doing it, but also maybe very tied in some ways Hmm. and you describing that experience one thing that I come across a a fair amount I would say is the understandable like holding on to a desire for things to be different when Hmm. you when one was younger and Hmm. and uh maybe a deeply held on to resistance to like opening up to what was missed and and the the pain of what the child version of you never got because there Mm -hmm. might be still a part that is kind of hanging on for Mm -hmm. something to be different when Mm -hmm. I while I was growing up Mm -hmm. Uh, but to and and you might also be aware of it but to really to feel that and in order to transcend it and move on in a -hmm. way that is not still holding on to that is maybe to have to feel like a lot of grief and like a death yeah. of of this child part of you that has been there from the beginning that has always craved this thing that they really deserved and yeah. and and wanted and needed and still feel like they need and maybe mm. they do maybe they'll always need it mm. uh, but maybe for the experience of liberation or like or fulfilling your full potential based on the life that you have mm. there might be the need to really feel the grief and loss that your maybe child self is still wishing doesn't have to be the case yeah uh, i wonder if that's making sense or what you think about that yeah no it does it, it absolutely does and uh yeah i have seen that in in, in my work also uh, experiencing you know with people here on inside timer my own experiences that that is absolutely true what you are saying about grieving part uh totally bringing an acceptance of what is rather than uh thinking about what can be or what could have been um uh, yeah i think and that is the most difficult difficult part <laughs> of the work to mm-hmm. to to bring ourselves to the acceptance of what is rather than what should be or what could have mm-hmm. been just thinking and i'm still fleshing this out in my mind but it could also mean to, it could also lead to like big changes in your life because so many things might have been a veiled kind of effort to mm. still receive that thing that you never mm-hmm. received. 
uh, whether it might be in relationships or in your work or something, these mm. could still be ongoing efforts. Mm. And they could be maybe like those behaviors that we continue to do, even though we know that they are like, why do I keep doing this? Maybe yeah. in some way it's their efforts of our child selves that are still somehow trying to get the attention of maybe those figures or get the thing that they never got. Mm. And, mm. and, 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 this version of us doesn't have the adult capacity to like understand that well that's not going to get that but that this could be their only hope their only like well if i keep doing this maybe if i keep being bad or if i keep uh whatever it might be however i can get that love and attention from this this other figure that never Mm. gave it to me yeah yeah no i think uh you you are absolutely right and uh i also believe that one part is of, of it is acceptance. The other part of it is healing. Mm. So one is acceptance. Okay, you know, I, I had this relationship with someone. Uh, this relationship maybe didn't work out well for me. Whoever it was, you know, a partner or, or, or a father figure or mother or child, whatever that is. But then I believe once we build that acceptance, as you said, once we grieve a lot, there is also an opportunity to heal, but that healing doesn't come from an expectation. So healing the relationship, maybe, you know, even just having a conversation uh, in which you talk about things, simply just a conversation rather than trying to force that relationship or trying to Hmm. force things in that that relationship. So Hmm. acceptance one and then healing. So yeah, I think both are, uh, are necessary. Healing also is a very tricky part because when we do have those conversations with those people once again, then, you know, old things come in that, uh, you know, in that conversation, old patterns repeat. And uh, we might also start having certain expectations that, okay, now that I'm, you know, working on this healing, now I'm talking to this person. It might be that my relationship might improve. So there is an expectation there as well. But yeah. doing doing it with total acceptance and without having any expectations, that can be helpful. Yeah, that's t- that's tough. I think because you could be doing all of this work and all this effort mm. on your end, mm. and but at the same time, that other whoever else is involved, they mm. may not be doing yeah. that, or they, they may not be yeah. interested in doing that, and that can make it even more frustrating yeah. for you yeah. to be opening up, being vulnerable, being honest. Yeah. And then not receiving something back. So I hear what you're saying. A big part of maybe the healing is to is to take ownership of what you can, and then yeah. genuinely, absolutely, and identifying that that yeah. identifying that you know whether this healing should be done just by myself or whether this mm-hmm. healing can be done potentially between two people. But if if there is no potential of healing between two people, then I think the all the healing is about just about you rather than the other person. Hmm. so yeah yeah <laughs> hard to hard to gauge that too because i can imagine uh and i know from experience with some of the people that i've worked with like hmm. how do you know like when to stop because you might continue to put it on your shoulders and be like mm-hmm. well i'm just not trying hard enough and if i try a little bit more or if if i do this or do that or if well if this didn't work maybe i should try this because mm. I, I can imagine that that would continue to maybe replay feelings of 
maybe some shame and guilt that you have about yourself and like, oh, this is just another example of me doing it wrong. Mm. And so I need to keep trying when in reality, maybe like you're doing the best you can. And it's just yeah. that the other, whoever this other figure or combination of figures involved are, they're mm. actually not interested in this or they're not aware of it or they're incapable of it or like whatever it might yeah. be. Um, it's making me think of this, like the, there's a, a popular notion in psychology where, and maybe we've talked about this before, you're probably aware of it, where like a child early on in life, hmm. if, if their parents, like if there's, or if at large there's society or if there's stuff that is going on that's really wrong, hmm. it's, it's a safer thing for the child to see themselves as bad, that, that yeah. I'm bad. Yeah. Uh, because if the world is bad or if my caregivers are bad, like that is a much scarier possibility than if it's just me, because yeah. if, if my caregivers are bad, well, there's out of my control. And like, especially as a helpless child, that's like a really scary thing. And then if that could be an indicator that the world at large is a scary place to be in, which yeah. is like, holy shit. Like, yeah. How do you, how do I face that yeah. when that might be the reality, yeah. but to, to take it, on yourself likely not with the awareness that this is what is happening but mm. that okay there's something wrong with me at the core so i need to be uh a really good child or i need to like play the parent figure for my parents or mm. i need to do these things mm. and as long as i can do that then things will be okay and the world will be safe and um as long as there's something wrong with me i can work on that for the rest of my life Hmm. but hmm. maybe kind of what we're talking about is to see that there never was actually anything wrong with you yeah. and to open up to the pain of there might be things wrong with the world or hmm. there's things wrong with, with everybody. And like, there's yeah. a lot of pain and sadness to feel in the midst of that. Maybe on the flip side of that is living a really present and free uh, life. Um, yeah. And, and it might be that there are, there is no, nothing wrong with the world. You know, considering that we all have, maybe we don't have yet acceptance for all, like the qualities, uh, all qualities that a human being has. And uh, what I what I realized in my journey that each one of us has like all the qualities, you know, starting from, you know, someone like a Buddha going up to someone like a Hitler. We have all the qualities inside us is just about the various circumstances that we go through in life what what those qualities can you know can trigger so for example someone uh, who is born in a family where crime is something which is like normal you know crime is something which is an everyday activity then that person might be you know at heart a good person but crime is so normal normal for that person that he or she doesn't see it in a way which is wrong but for someone who you know who has been in a in a family where there have been certain morals, principles for them. That is a, such a dangerous or wrong thing to do. So it's all about the circumstances that we we are in. And we fail to see at times, you know, what circumstances my, uh, you know, the people in our lives who, who are our parents, who are, uh, you know, our partners, what is the conditioning that they have gone through? What are the experiences that they have gone through? And maybe just realizing that there is nothing as good or bad. It's just the behavior they are exhibiting is just due to that conditioning and 
that those experiences experiences that they have been through hmm. i think once we come to that realization as well then we can also build acceptance for not only ourselves but also for the other person uh and not see them as something evil hmm. it's funny you say that i i think i heard you like uh mentioning the buddha and hitler sort of mm. in in the same uh yeah. camp in some way and i reading a book by henry miller you ever read anything by him or come across him no. before no He's someone that i hadn't read anything of his until recently but he i kept coming across him in other people's books and i get excited when that happens and mm-hmm. so i started reading something of his and it's like always oh, it feels like he's just really speaking my language mm-hmm. uh but I, he said something very similar and he said exactly those people he he was he was like there was uh he was talking about these people with incredible power and influence on mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and he was he i think he said jesus and the buddha and hitler and i forget the who the other one was but it was on mm-hmm. this other side of the spectrum mm-hmm. and i can't remember how exactly he differentiated but it was something about how jesus and the buddha are coming from a in his mind coming from a needless place and a mm. place of a real like self understanding they're coming from their core they've gone down to the very kind of basics of who they are and now they're acting out of like zero need they're just naturally acting in the world in this way mm. that is really powerful because it's like it's not dependent on the yeah. the rules of society and uh like they just they don't need these things that other people take as givens mm-hmm. that makes them very powerful figures Mm-hmm. uh versus these other people maybe coming from a place of a lack of self understanding and and a, a lot of need and mm-hmm. need for power and they break the rules on purpose and but mm-hmm. they're also something about them makes them really powerful and that they can they can transcend these rules and get other people on their side because mm-hmm. maybe they're speaking to a lot of these people that also don't understand themselves which is maybe the vast majority of the population mm-hmm. and speaking to something that is really that powers them up in a way that feels really good mm-hmm. uh I thought that was kind of an interesting comparison where like the places that those two ways of being are coming from one being a place of like total lack of need yeah. and the other one being a place of like I need I need I need yeah 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 and I think that is a very interesting way he put it and I also think that that can change uh, now I think our belief comes in this picture and you know if if uh, if we if if you believe in the concept of multiple lives you know uh, then i think if you see the story of buddha and i'm not 100% sure about it but i heard someone mentioning i was in a, a buddhist retreat and i heard someone mentioning that the buddha uh, had you know uh, when he achieved enlightenment he could see each and every life of his and you know all the past lives uh, all the lives that he has been living uh or is living simultaneously in this moment and he said that in one of those lives buddha was a murderer and in this life you know after so so much of self work in this particular life he reached that state of enlightenment so what they were trying to say that that we have all these qualities inside us but at different points of time in the journey of our soul we exhibit these different qualities so it's like 
when we see as a person someone like a hitler uh you know we say oh this person has a lower consciousness we see someone like a buddha we say oh this person has a higher consciousness but the point is it's not about lower or higher it, it's about they are at a different point of consciousness they are at different points in the journey of their soul a hitler might become a buddha at mm. you know in certain lifetime mm. and a buddha might again become a hitler in in another lifetime so mm. so yeah i i thought that you know that monk that was telling this story that was very interesting yeah really interesting makes me think of another uh i i enjoy when we kind of bounce off with these different uh anecdotes and memories it's such a cool mm. thing to notice how this you know it starts with you asking me how my minute of silence was and mm-hmm. somehow has led us in this this like a tree branch of things to to find ourselves here and now it's just like bursting with ooh that thing and this thing you just yeah. remind me of this yeah there's so much uh creation that can it's just like exploding yeah. in yeah. between there is there's so much potential that reminds me of uh, uh nikola tesla and he said that you know in in just a cubic centimeter of space he, there is like infinite power of the universe you know just a yeah. cubic centimeter of space energy in that can power the entire world and i can see that as this present moment this now moment you know mm-hmm. that this now moment this vacuum this zero point field that we start from and we eventually how that builds into yeah. creativity and you know different things it's just beautiful. yeah and the space where we're both we're open to it in a playful and safe way where anything could be explored because i could see it maybe staying like i don't know whether it's lower or higher but staying somewhere hmm on a very kind of limited level if we're maintaining this kind of transactional hmm thing uh hmm. but if we start with that zero point and then we just sort of nourish it and we're in this space of openness yeah uh, it can really go anywhere in this really unpredictable and fun way hmm. Yeah. Um, but so that reminded me you mentioning the the multiple lives and and just kind of the different parts of the journey it might not feel totally related but and maybe I've mentioned this before that's probably also a thing that happens as we have more of these meetings because there's yeah. we have probably only a finite number of these memories and stories to to some degree but we're still also constantly absorbing them I think yeah. uh so maybe this one has come up before and tell me if you've heard it it's about the it there's this uh like you know monk or spiritual master figure and there's a a warrior like a military or samurai warrior or something like that and the warrior comes to the monk because he's he's found that this monk is is like the greatest master and he's given the the best wisdom to to become the best warrior and um are you familiar with this where he yeah you say so you did something uh i think you mentioned i'm not sure if in this podcast or separately but you yeah somewhere but yeah. so so he goes to the master and he basically just asks for his his guidance or his wisdom <clears throat> like you know lead me in some way please mm-hmm. and then and the master uh responds by making fun of him and he like mm-hmm. berates him he says like who are you, what kind of warrior could you po- who could you possibly protect mm-hmm. and <clears throat> keeps on doing this as the the warrior gets more and more angry and and here mm-hmm. the master is this like old feeble man and the warrior is this strong like strapping uh person mm-hmm. and so he's getting mm-hmm. so overwhelmed with anger and he 
the, the master keeps on berating him, keeps on making fun of him until the point where he takes his sword out and he's like about to attack the master. Mm. And then the, the master is like, he stops and he says, here, open the gates of hell. Uh, and then the, the, the warrior sees the, what the master is telling him and like understands the wisdom of that and, mm. and sheaths the sword back and sits back down in front of the master sort of in a very deferential um position and then the master says here open the gates of heaven uh and i really like that and i'm remembering now i think probably the beginning of that is the warrior asking like what is heaven and hell <clears throat> and so then that's the progression that happens and he has some sort of experience what hell is and then mm -hmm. experience what heaven is interpersonally uh, well, just make me think weird. of these different uh manifestations and that we all have maybe the full continuum mm. of this stuff inside of us yeah yeah no that's that's a beautiful story and no i don't think you you mentioned it in the mm. podcast and it's so wonderful to listen to that and you know uh and i think heaven and hell uh we i think we as human beings we experience heaven and hell in just single life you know it's not only not only about multiple lifetimes we can see that how we have been in different situations uh have not have not we experienced anger have not we experienced you know traces of ego have not we experienced uh moments of compassion i think all these characteristics these extreme characteristics we have experienced not only in multiple lifetimes but within this lifetime as well and uh you know i was i was doing a session on projections and uh, i'm i'm sure you are very much familiar with this as this is part of your field that how we project onto others and i was asking this question so uh i told them to like list down uh people who they hate the most you know so someone uh listed a uh, a person in their family someone listed uh you know a political figure there were people who who talked about hitler and then i asked them okay so what qualities do these people have so someone then wrote okay these people are full of ego these people are full of anger and all that and then i i asked them the question okay now tell me have you ever you know in your life experienced this have you ever been angry have you ever been egoistic and for all those you know they were like about 10 to 15 listings for all those listings they said yes like we have been now someone was like uh, okay i don't have the quality of a murderer i said okay that what what kind of a person will be a murderer so then he said okay someone who is very you know full of rage who who is uh, hurt deeply and then they found that okay those qualities are there within them so i believe that not only in multiple lifetimes but also in this lifetime we do get traces of experiencing all those qualities uh, which are on that wide spectrum of as we said you know buddha to hitler <laughs> yeah huh. yeah uh, as you were talking i was just thinking maybe in order to feel the feeling of hate it's hmm. maybe it, it's it's dependent on you seeing something in that person that you know and feel 
and maybe hate about yourself or, or, mm. or wish wish that that part of you didn't exist or have been trying to get rid of for so long. And yeah. Because I wonder if, if not for and really knowing the thing in some intimate way, if it would elicit that really strong uh, reaction from you to see it mm. in someone else. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's triggering you. Like if anything, you see someone in something, some, uh, you know, some aspect in someone, you see that quality. And if you're getting triggered by it, or if you're having an emotional charge around it, then that means that that aspect is something which you have not embraced in yourself. Hmm. You know, that particular quality is something that you have not embraced in yourself. Had you embraced it in yourself, have you forgiven yourself about that? you would have forgiven the other person as well for the same quality. Hmm. Not to put you on the spot or, and it's okay if you don't think of something, but I wonder, is there something for you that you feel like lives in that realm still that you notice causes, tr triggers you or causes a reaction in you from other people? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, and recently uh, I, I was discussing this with a friend of mine and uh, I was mentioning about someone trying to show off their work, trying to show off their work that, you know, this right. person or oh, this person is, is someone, I was saying something like this person is just doing, you know, these things to gain followers. This person is just doing this thing to show himself as someone who right. is good. I was saying the statement and she pointed me out right in that moment because we just a moments ago, we were discussing about these projections and see, she said, see, that is a project projection. <laughs> and then I, I was defending, no, that is not a projection. I'm not someone. And I could then see my own emotional charge around it. And then I asked myself that, have I done this recently? Have I done this before? And then I realized, oh, yes, I have. And this is the aspect which I have not embraced in myself. This is the aspect which I have not forgiven about, you know, mm. myself. And that's why when someone else is doing it, it's causing that trigger in me. It's causing yeah. that emotional charge. That's a really you... interesting one. Because uh, I feel like I can empathize with that. And mm -hmm. likely, I would imagine both of us, like have this to some degree because like yeah. we're, we're we find ourselves on inside timer we're doing yeah. this <laughs> like there's some element of desire to be seen and be seen, like yeah. have have a reach and have people hear or yeah. see us in some way even if it, it even if it doesn't feel like it's coming from that need there there must yeah. in some way be that like deep desire yeah. in, in the unconscious like consciously we might not think about that but it, there might be something in the unconscious that is, you know, uh, causing that trigger. Mm -hmm. And like and for you? me, I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking in relation to that, I have another one in mind too, but how I've historically been a very uh, quote unquote introvert, introverted person, mm. like very, very quiet person mm. Mm. and uh, very socially anxious, especially in the past has changed quite a bit over time but it's still that way to a certain degree and and I wonder how much that's related to like a real deep desire to be seen and to have people pay me attention because I think mm -hmm. I sort of adopted this way of being in the world where it's like I don't need that attention mm -hmm. uh, so I'm gonna be introverted and retreat and not mm -hmm. share a lot but there's and, but maybe I think a big part of that has been 
why I get so anxious is because I so desperately want the mm. other person to see me and to connect mm. with me. And I'm afraid that if I show them who I am, they won't like it or they won't connect with me. So mm. in some way I've like built up over years, this sort of version of myself to share that I feel kind of confident about. And mm. in some way it's maybe satisfying this, this deep desire to just like connect with people uh, yeah. sort of on my own terms in a way. Um, and, and, and I congratulate you for saying that because that's so powerful and like being vulnerable to talk about it uh, because this is something, you know, usually someone who is doing such kind of a work will not talk about and will not accept that, okay, no, I have this desire to, you know, maybe be seen or, or, or show, show things, show my work, but this is truly powerful. And I, I, this makes me realize that how these conversations that we have uh, help us to know ourselves better, help us to, you know, even know what is going on in our own unconscious. Yeah. I was just thinking it, it could be nice or interesting for the listener as mm. we're talking to be reflecting on like, what are those situations that feel triggering for themselves? And, and maybe you don't see where this might be reflecting something in you, but you might see how there is a part of you that is like craving something also in this same realm. And yeah. uh, just to add it like a little extra perspective, not to say that there's anything wrong for for feeling that way, but just to yes. maybe see more of the full picture, I think it yeah. be so valuable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I was uh, uh, recently, as you were talking about this, it reminded me of a uh, a series that I was watching uh, and the series is called uh, Westworld and mm -hmm. they create like different AIs in that and have you seen that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, in in one of those in one of the episodes there was this guy uh, who was an AI and they had created an alternate version of this guy so this guy was the western version and the other alternate version was the Japanese version and uh, this Western uh, guy, he was like, he was very angry with this Japanese version. He was, you know, whenever he would see that Japanese version of his, he would just flip and he would want to kill that Japanese guy. Mm. And then they talked, you know, they were thinking about why is this AI behaving in such a weird way? You know, why, why is he reacting? And then someone said, oh, because that is his own projection. And he you know, he's not able to accept, uh, he has not accepted many things inside him. He has not embraced so many things inside him. And that is why he's getting triggered by the same actions when he's seen someone else. Yeah. Uh, his own alternate version. So. Huh. In, in a version that appears like strange. Yeah. It just makes me think of so much of the hate that exists now. Yeah. In, hmm. And that, that also makes me think that if, if I meet myself tomorrow, you know, how, how would I react? That's such an interesting thing yeah. to think about. <laughs> yeah. Or if you saw you online doing these same things, but yeah. but you didn't know that it was you, how would yeah. you respond? Because yeah. even I, like, I'll, I'll notice a feeling of judgment sometimes, like just instinctive judgment, maybe towards mm -hmm. another person on Inside Timer, which is bizarre. Uh, <laughs> but it's... And I, I think it comes from maybe an insecurity. There's some level of like yeah. competition in this world, which is a, a weird, interesting element of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I could imagine maybe feeling that 
towards myself. I mean, something mm -hmm. I do feel proud of is my willingness and my constant effort to notice those automatic Absolutely. judgments because that's Absolutely. just going to inevitably happen yeah. and to step back from them. But it is, it's kind of funny to notice when they continue. To, no, I, it totally uh, resonates with me. It happens with me as well. And it is so good to talk about this because uh, this is how we can transform it. Hmm. So what do you think yeah. about uh, shifting into maybe some sort of practice? Sure. Yeah, this is an interesting practice, which I just mentioned that comes to my mind. So let's do that. Sounds good. So now we shift into small, short guided meditation and you can get into your meditative posture and gradually close your eyes. Or maybe you, if you don't want to close your eyes, it's absolutely fine. Whatever that comfortable posture is for you. And now you can just be aware of your breath. You can maybe just focus on your nostrils or you can even follow the flow of your breath in through your nose, into your windpipe, into your lungs and back from your lungs through your windpipe and out through your nose again. And with each breath, feel your body relaxing. Feel your mind and your body coming to this present moment. And then in your mind's eye, imagine and visualize that you are meeting yourself. 
see yourself sitting in front of you, across from you. And just observe yourself. Observe the face of this alternate self of yours. Observe the expressions. Observe the body language. And just check how do you feel about this person? What is the vibe that this person is giving out? Maybe just notice what are the things that you like and dislike about this person. And then you can gradually bring your awareness back to your own body. To the presence of your body in your surroundings. You can move your hands and feet. Gradually, in your own time, you can open your eyes and come out of the meditation.
So before we end this session, I'm curious to know what was your experience? It was nice to notice how positively I felt towards myself. Beautiful. <laughs> Usually uh, I have a lot of experience of doing that for myself and other people in, in terms of an inner child. Mm -hmm. I really like the experience of doing it with myself now mm -hmm. and it felt very novel but kind of saw myself laying out on the couch just mm -hmm. sitting there kind of relaxed and I felt very assured maybe it's because I know myself of their intentions towards me which is just to they desired me to feel good and held no ill will towards me as I was um, there sitting with them. So it was, it was a new and really uh, nice experience. What was it like for you as, as you went through it? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, I could see initially all the wonderful qualities, but there were certain things that I noticed, uh, you know, that I might not like about myself. And uh, one of those was being humble. So this was something I observed. Now I don't know where this is coming from, but definitely this is something for me to contemplate on. Huh. So I was I was like telling myself that be more humble, be more humble. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Something to sit with. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for the listener, if, if you, we would love to know that what was your experience. And if you want, you can share that through the comments. And it was it will be really interesting to know. So let's see. Sounds good. Thank you for that. As always, uh, I really appreciate your willingness and your ability to just do that uh, in the moment. It's pretty my awesome. pleasure. And thank you for the amazing time today. See you soon. See you. Thank you for joining us in the What Is Now experience. We hope that you liked the episode. If there were any insights or ideas arising for you as you were listening to our conversation, then you can share those ideas through your comments. We would love to know. Stay tuned for the next episode. Namaste.